Hey everyone and welcome back to the Tennis Section Podcast. I know it's been a long time, it's probably been about three months or so, but yeah, this is episode 10. I'm glad to be back. You know, there's been a few sort of mistiming of schedules and stuff. You know, I've been traveling a lot, Andrew's been traveling a lot, busy personal stuff. So, you know, just glad to be back now and uh, back to making the podcast. A lot of stuff has happened since we last made a podcast. I think we made a podcast around Wimbledon time before the US Open time. And since then, you know, well, you can probably see here, I went to the US Open this year, which was amazing. You know, I went to the first entire week, um, had the entire pass. So went on every every court, what, tried to watch every match. Maybe you guys saw some of the Instagram content that I put out where you could see me courtside watching, you know, some of the likes of Team, Pablo Carreño Buster, watching Nadal, Serena Williams. So basically everyone, uh, which was quite was quite nice. So obviously I would have liked to see, you know, the likes of Djokovic or even Federer play, but <clears throat> Djokovic couldn't play, obviously, and Federer, you know, he's just retired. And then uh, luckily enough, came back from the US Open and a few weeks later went to went to the Labour Cup, which was quite exciting. Got to see, um, I got to see the second day. Unfortunately, I didn't get to the tickets for the Friday where you could see, you know, Federer play his last match, but I was at home and I was screaming down the TV as always. I was quite unhappy that they didn't win. I thought, you know, it would have been nice to end it on high note, but to be honest, looking back, it's also nice the way it ended, uh, seeing all the players come together and everything like that. Um, but yeah, that's sort of a recap on my end of what I've been up to. And, uh, you know, you might have seen it on the Instagram, as I said, but there's a lot of stuff going on right now in the tennis world. And I think it's good to just go over it. You know, the ATP finals are starting tomorrow, which is quite exciting. Um, Andrew couldn't make it to the podcast today due to scheduling issues. So it's just me today. Hope you guys enjoy. Hope you enjoy it. Guys enjoy the background I made. Hopefully, you know, let me know in the comments below what you think. But um, yeah, I spent a bit of time on Photoshop for that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, let's get into it. The first thing, obviously, to me, it's it's incredible in the A2 finals how there's a disparity between the two groups. In the red group, you've got Medvedev, Djokovic, Tsitsipas, and Rublev. I think that's the group of death. Like, whenever you watch a Champions League, you see the group of death of, like, you know, the big clubs like Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Barcelona, stuff like that. Um, I think that's, this is that in the, in, in tennis terms. Uh, and then in the green group, you got Nadal, Felix Auger-Aliassime, Fritz, and Kasper Ruud. So, yeah, I think Personally, I think it's going to be a very one-sided event. I think whoever wins the red group is going to win the tournament, most likely, unless it's like, unless it's like a Tsitsipas or a Rublev who sort of win the group. I think it's unlikely they'll win the tournament. In in my opinion, just looking at the head-to-head in these things, when we move into the green group, you can probably say Nadal has got quite quite lucky in the draw to be honest because he's got a positive head-to-head against every single player in that group um against Kasper Ruud he's 1-0 obviously that was the Roland Garros final against Taylor Fritz he's 2-1 his two victories came at Wimbledon this year uh in the quarterfinals when he won five sets with the torn abdomen and then also uh at Acapulco I think if it if it wasn't this year it was last year or two years ago I can't remember which year, but it was in Acapulco. And then Fritz's win obviously came against Nadal when he had that broken, well, the fractured rib in Indian Wells this year. So I think that's going to, if that match happens, I think that's scheduled to be uh, either Sunday or Monday, that uh, or, or Tuesday, sorry. That's going to be a very interesting match. And I think that's going to be really the decider of whether Nadal gets through the group or not. Um, because then when you look, although he has a, positive head-to-head against Felix Auger-Elias seem 2-0, having beaten him twice and never lost. I do think he'll probably lose that match. 
going into this that match against Felix, Felix got all the form. He's the highest winning player, I think, or the second highest winning player behind Holger Rune. I, I can't remember that that maybe tied to be honest in the indoor hardcourt season this year. So it's going to be quite tough, um, especially now that he's found his form. You know, there's three titles in a row, four titles this year. Especially over the years, people have been calling him like a chokester in the big occasions. I think now he's sort of found within himself how to actually play at the big occasion. So I don't think he'll be deterred by Nadal, especially after his win against Djokovic at the Labour Cup in indoor hard courts. Once his, when his serve is popping off, when his first serve is hitting like the angles perfectly, he just gets confident and more confident and it's just hard to stop him. Um, and in an indoor hard court, it's sort of hard for, for Rafa to, to, you know, he likes to stand deep and in an indoor hard court, that doesn't really work. And when he goes close to the baseline to, to return the serves, it's, the mistiming can happen and stuff like that. So I think, yeah, I think that's going to be a tough one for him. Um, so yeah, I think Nadal's going to lose to Felix. I think he's going to beat Casper Ruud. Ruud's not been in great form recently. He's lost some, you know, matches that he should have won, to be honest. He should have sort of played better. Um, I know he's not an indoor hardcore specialist, but neither were the players that he played against. You know, you, you can say against Stan Wawrinka and Basel, he should have, you know, he had the opportunities early on in the set to sort of put some pressure on the Wawrinka. He had the opportunities to break back, stuff like that. And he just, he really didn't play his best. I don't think he's, I don't think he's confident at the moment. I don't think he's in form at the moment. So I don't think he's going to get anything out of that match against Nadal, especially the way Nadal just destroyed him at Roland Garros would also sort of make it seem like he's in his head. And then, so I think Nadal's one and one at that point. And then you move on to the Taylor Fritz match. It's sort of a hard one, this one. It's a toss-up, in my opinion. Um, obviously, as you probably can see from this side where I've got, you know, the little little Nadal and Federer hats. I'm obviously a Fedal kind of guy. So I'd rather Nadal wins just because I want to see him be able to be closer to that goal of achieving world number one. We'll get on to, we'll get on to that a little bit later. But um, Fritz has also played well. He's huge first serve, his huge forehand and his consistent backhand are, are great in indoor hard courts. You know, he won Tokyo this year, although in Vienna and stuff, he wasn't playing at his best. He has sort of struggled with, I think it was his left foot. Um, you could see it get taped in a fair few matches. So maybe that's a sort of a nagging injury towards the end of the season. You know, a lot of players are sort of trying to hide these injuries so that their opponents don't know, but it's sort of, when it's the foot, it's sort of hard to, hard to hide these things. Um, Rafa on the other hand he came into Paris sort of that first match he played against Tommy Paul he really should have closed it out in two sets especially was a set and a break up um, unfortunately he didn't and then in the third set he just looked like he hadn't played enough matches he looked like out of it um, he even said in the post-match interviews like he's he's been doing a lot of practices which has been good obviously to keep your shots the way they are but match-wise you still need to get onto court and you still need to play those matches because there's nothing better than actually being in the situation itself rather than preparing for the situation a lot of the time, especially when you're at Rafa's point. You know, he can prepare as much as he wants for the situation, but he knows how to play in the situation. He just needs to put himself in there. Um, I think with the fact that the world number one, year-end world number one, is on the line here, I think Rafa will really try and get himself through this match. So I will slightly edge towards him. So, yeah, so that's, that's my sort of overview of Rafa himself. 
So probably go two and one. Uh, that I don't think that will top the group, to be honest, because now if we move on to, to Felix, this guy is just on another level. And I, as I said earlier, I think he's going to beat Rafa. Might be two sets, three at max, like three for sure. But he could probably do it in, in two sets. I don't think Nadal will win that match. Um, against Fritz, he's got a losing record of 0-1. But as I've mentioned with the foot, if Nadal can beat Fritz, uh, Felix can beat Fritz. So I don't see anything, you know, wrong there. And I think I think that's going to be quite quite a good win for for Felix, especially you know he's beaten every big name over the last few months, and he's he's really dominated on the tour. So I think no 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 lack of confidence there. He's just going to go for his shots, big serve, big forehand. You know, his backhand can can sort of improve, but he has been able to use a lot of spin and sort of move it. Make sure that he gets that height over the net and a little depth. It's not sort of flat and hard. It's sort of a very spinny, uh, spinny backhand, but it helps sort of slow down the play. Um, and against Kasparud, although he's got a losing record of one and two, I think their last their last match was in in Montreal or Toronto this year. I can't remember where it, where it was played. Um, and yeah, Kasparud sort of dominated that match. But when I say dominated, it was more. Felix's serve just wasn't there that day. Um, so he kept double faulting, kept giving them easy serves to return, stuff like that. So I think I think that one's going to be Felix's revenge to get the head-to-head the -head tied again. Um, so yeah, I think Felix Felix goes unbeaten in the group, to be honest. So you put him top of the group, you put Nadal two and one. You know, I think I think that's I think that's the green group done. But you know, that's just my opinion. Let me know what you guys think in the comments. If we now move on to the red group this is where it gets really interesting here obviously you can say Rublev has sort of been put in a difficult situation especially you know he made he made the world tour finals uh last year i believe and he didn't didn't really get much much going and he's been sort of put in the same position here he's got a losing head-to-head -head record against every single player in the group except for actually no incorrect except for Novak. He's 1-1 against Novak, and he did beat Novak in Serbia this year. But Novak also wasn't at his best back then. It was when he came back, finally, on the clay season, and he wasn't at his peak that he is now. So I, I think if it was on sort of these terms that Novak's playing on now, I think Rulev would, would have lost that match. Um, but yeah, so he's 1-1 against Djokovic. He's 1-4 against Medvedev. Med Medvedev is sort of you know, he's he's too consistent for Rublev. Rublev likes to hit big. He likes to make sure that his opponent makes a mistake or, you know, gives him a short ball that he can attack off of. But Medvedev is just the kind of guy that always keeps going deep. It gives you a lot of depth in his shots, a lot of just consistency. He can stay in the rally for, you know, 40 shots and not be phased whilst Rublev tries to end the point quite quickly. Um, so he's one and four against Medvedev. And then the tightest, I think, that the match that could really help him sort of cement some confidence here at the ATP Finals is against Tsitsipas. He's four and six against Tsitsipas. Their last meeting was about a month or so ago. It, I can't remember which tournament it was. It was perhaps Astana. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it was Astana where Tsitsipas came back from that. I think there was that set down against Rublev. And I think, to be honest, Rublev should have won that match. Tsitsipas got quite lucky in some of the big points. And also he played some amazing tennis in some of the big points. He was very good on the break points itself. Um, but yeah, I think that match could go either way. They're, they're, whenever they get on court, it's it's big hitting, 
trying to go for winners a lot, both sides, and and it's 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 great to see. Um, moving on to you know, I don't think Rublev has much of a chance. Moving on to who I think has the best chance is Djokovic. No, 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 nothing against that. Um, he's he's got a positive head tag record against you know Medvedev and Tsitsipas, seven and four against Medvedev, nine and two against Tsitsipas. Against Rublev, as I said, he's one and one, but it could have been two and zero oh if he was actually in form when they played. Um, and yeah, against Medvedev, you really would say it's six and four um, because they never got to finish that third set in Astana earlier this uh, last month. But I think you know he is definitely in better form than Medvedev. Medvedev lost last a couple of weeks ago. Oh no, last week to um, two weeks ago. Sorry to uh, Alex de Minaur. So. I think if Alex Dimonor, who sort of, you know, isn't on the level of, of Medvedev, can beat him in an indoor hard court, it shows you that he's not in that great of a form recently. I think once once Medvedev sort of doesn't find his rhythm on his first serve, he finds it difficult on the second serve to sort of get himself going. Um, we saw that ever since sort of he break through, he, you know, his second serve has never been the most amazing shot. Um, which is why, you know, even when in 2019 in Cincinnati, when he played against Novak, what he did, he just literally went first serves and when it went second, when it didn't go in on the second serve, he'd do another first serve and that started working for him. But, you know, it's a very risky tactic nowadays when people really know his game more than they did back then. So I think Novak really gets the win there, extends the head to head to eight and four. And then Novak against City Pass, I mean, I was enjoying watching that match a couple of weeks ago in Paris where Tsitsipas was really close to sort of beating Novak. He made, it was like, after the first set, you looked at that match and you were like, there's no chance this guy is getting anything out of it. But, you know, he showed he showed a lot of composure and made sure that he was focused on, you know, just hitting big on the first serve and, you know, trying to get his forehand into play and being a little bit more consistent on the backhand than he was in the first set. And once he was, you know, I think it was four and three up, which he had a mini break in the in the third set tie break, just crumbled, crumbled under the pressure. I think ever since he's lost that Roland Garros final in 2020, uh, no, 2021 against Novak from two sets to love up, I think every every time they meet, he might have the shots to sort of beat Novak, but he's got too much in his head where he's overthinking every single shot. Um, so I, I think it's quite tough for him to do that. Uh, and beat Novak here. So I think that's Novak extending the head-to-head to, uh, to 10 and 2 and, you know, going 2 and 0. And then against Rublev, I think, you know, he beat him at the ATP finals last year or two years ago. He's going to do it again. He's just too consistent for Rublev. As I said, sort of like the, it's sort of like the similar Rublev-Medvedev situation where just Medvedev and Djokovic can go for so long in a rally. So consistent, always deep shots. They will not try and hit a winner off their shots, but they will try and wear you down and sort of make you make the mistake, which works against the likes of Rublev, who sometimes might get impatient on the court and try and go for too much too early, um, which, you know, I think that will that will cement Novak as a free and no in the group and make him top the group realistically. Um, and then my second pick, sort of for who's going to be second in the group, is going to be Medvedev. Um, Medvedev, obviously, I think, will lose against Djokovic. He will probably beat Rublev. And then against Tsitsipas, I think he'll win as well. Um, it's really dependent on how much he can keep 
Now, you know, Djokovic will lose, obviously, as I said. Rublev, he'll he'll win because he'll just be too consistent. Tsitsipas can sort of go either way, but I think he'll win against Tsitsipas. It's just dependent on how much he can keep the ball on Tsitsipas's backhand. If he allows Tsitsipas too much time to turn around and hit the forehand, things could go the other way. If he's able to keep the backhand deep, consistent, you know, not too much in the middle of the court, more towards, more closer to the trail lines, Tsitsipas won't have the time to sort of go towards his more dominant shot and run around the ball. So I think it's really dependent on that. If you see he's struggling with that early on and Tsitsipas is gaining momentum and confidence, then it'll probably go the other way. But yeah, that's that's who I think. I think it's going to be, as I said, Felix and, and Rafa in group uh, in the green group. And then it's going to be Novak and Medvedev in the red group. So going on to the semifinals, that's going to be um, Novak and Rafa, which is going to be quite interesting. And then it's going to be uh, Felix and Medvedev. That's going to be a lot, a lot to deal with. I think at that point in time, I think Novak's in much better form than Rafa at the moment. But then when you also put Rafa and Novak in the big stage and the big moments, it's really just who knows how to play who on the day. It doesn't, the form doesn't always come into it. So I can't really decide there yet. And if we're looking at Felix against Medvedev, I think Felix is in too, just too good a form right now to really lose that match. I think Felix makes the final and then it's going to be a toss up between Rafa and Novak. And then if it's Rafa and Novak, if, it, if it's Rafa, maybe he'll have learned from, you know, what I think is going to be his loss to get against Felix in the group and get revenge. He maybe have studied the game a bit more sharpened up by then, you know, because more matches under your belt is only, it's only going to be better for you. Um, if it's Novak, I think Novak's going to be very focused on getting revenge for his loss at the Labour Cup. I think he's going to be out there. He's going to be really consistent. He's he's not going to let Felix dominate on the serve plus one like he did in London earlier this year. Um, but yeah, so I would hope it's going to be even Novak or Rafa to lift the title, but it's the ATP finals. You never know what's going to happen. I'd be happy for, either, for any player really to lift the title as long as they do it with a uh, good form and not not luck but yeah that's basically my long summary of the ATP finals let me know what you guys think in the comment section below but other than that there's a lot of stuff that's happened in recent times you know we would have liked to see Alcaraz here at the ATP finals it would have been his first ATP finals world number one he's not able to defend his world number one sort of position this year unless um unless Rafa doesn't make the final and unless, <clears throat> if Rafa makes the final, Rafa's world number one. If Tsitsipas doesn't go unbeaten, which I don't think he'll go unbeaten at the ATP finals. So, yeah, I think as long as as long as long neither of those things happen, you know, we, we, we can keep Alcaraz as, as our world number one. I'd be quite shocked if Tsitsipas made it to world number one by going unbeaten. I think that'd be quite unfair. Obviously, you could say it's quite fair as well because he's been the guy who's won the most matches on tour this year. But when you look at how he's done in the big tournaments, he hasn't done that well. He lost first round at the US Open. Uh, Wimbledon, he lost, I think, second or third round. He lost fourth round at the French. Australian Open, he went to the semifinals. He won in, in Monte Carlo like he did last year, which was obviously good. He made the... I believe it was the quarters or the semis in Barcelona. But, um, and I can't remember how he did in, in some other big tournaments, but, you know, he hasn't done enough, I think, 
winning wise, tournament wise, to cement himself as a world number one. Although he could reach it in points, it doesn't really seem like you know an Alcaraz type of world number one where he's just won his first Grand Slam. He's won two Masters 1000 this year. He's really in form. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll have to see by uh, next Sunday what 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 the deal is there. Um, so yeah, that's sort of a shame seeing our Kras pull out uh, a couple of weeks ago in Paris due to that uh, abdomen. I think it was on the on his uh, on his side injury. Um, but you know, he in that match that he had to retire from, we also saw the amazing rise of Hog Rune, who's just in incredible form right now. I remember um, back. I remember back at the 2021 US Open when he played his first round match against Novak on center court and he took the first set against him. Everyone was like, well, this kid, you know, he's got nothing to lose. He's going for his shots. He's really, he's really making the most of it. And then obviously because he was new on the tour, he hadn't really adapted to the amount of tennis you have to actually play in a Grand Slam match. You have to win three sets. It's not like, you know, it's not like any other tournament where you can win the first set, use some momentum sort of, you know, because your your opponent knows, oh, if I lose the next set, I'm out of the match. When you're in a Grand Slam and playing against someone like Novak, Novak knows, oh, it's only one set. He still ha- he still needs to win two sets to beat me. So, you know, that sort of confidence and then cramping from from his side sort of faded faded his chances in that match. But ever since, he's just been on a rise. He's last that that he was about nearly world number five hundred or maybe four fifty back then. And since then, he's just gone up and up and up in the rankings. Currently, he's world number 10 um, because of his amazing run in Paris, where I think he, other than Stan Wawrinka, I think he played every single opponent in the top 10. I think he beat Herkax, he beat Felix, he beat Alcaraz and Novak. And that match against Novak was really, really tough. It was incredible to watch and see, you know, if Novak had, I think, five or six break points in that last game of the match, and I think if Novak would have broken back there, the match would have been over. Novak would have used the momentum and the confidence gained from that. But the fact that Holger just went huge on both his first and second serve, obviously he did double fault, but you live and die by the sword in those sort of situations. He really made sure that he didn't allow Novak to dictate play and he really took his chances when he needed to, um, which is great to see because, you know, it's sort of a new generation of tennis that's sort of rising up. And I'm really happy to see that. Um, I think... Over the next couple of years, it's going to be quite tough to see what um, what's going to happen to the big well, big two. Uh, you know, I'm a Nadal fan, as most of you know, uh, and seeing him lose isn't the, isn't the most fun thing. But you know, you you'd, you'd like to see him lose against someone who's actually got some potential and going to actually do something in tennis in the future. And same goes with Novak. You know, you see him lose against Holger Rune, but you know Holger Rune is just an amazing talent. And he's going to be a great prospect. He's top ten now. I'm sure he's going to be top five in the next few years. Potential world number one, maybe, depending on, you know, how, you know, the likes of Tsitsipas, Varev, Alcaraz, and those guys really do coming coming in a few years. Um, but no, he's def- he's definitely got got his game going and he's and he's and he's definitely gonna win a lot of titles along the way. He's the first alternate in Turin this year at the ATP finals. It's a shame that he wasn't able to sort of, you know, like we've seen in the years past when we saw Jack Sock win, win the Paris Masters and that secured him a spot in the ATP finals. It would have been nice to see that. But then you also have to look at, you know, the likes of Rublev and stuff who, or Felix, who made the cut and you think they deserve to be there as much as anyone else. So 
I think it's going to be a very, very exciting ATP finals. But, you know, let me let me know in the comments below what you guys really want to see this ATP finals, what your thoughts are and everything like that. But um, yeah, so that's that's sort of what's going on right now in the tennis world. Um, there's a lot more stuff going on outside the tennis world as well. You know, we recently saw um, Alexander Zverev. He's uh, he's back playing well, training um, injury free, pain free, which is which is great to see. I'm excited to see what he's got in store for us next year. I think he's playing some warm-up tournament um, alongside Dominic Team next month in Dubai or or some some Middle Eastern country. Uh, so I'm excited to see. You know, it's going to be a good pre uh, preparation for him to get his game back to back to where it needs to be. Um, but I also I also know that it's going to be tough because you will never be as confident in the first few months as you used to be when running around the court, when you got the type of injury that he got, I remember watching that match and you just saw when the way he fell, you just knew it was bad straight away. And the way he was screaming on court, you, you knew it was like, it was a, it was a very tough injury. So I hope, I hope his recovery in terms of confidence on court is going to be faster than the likes of Dominic team because team really struggled to find his confidence. He's playing great now, but he really took a long time to get to get back on on level terms to what he used to be at, even though he's still not there. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see that. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think there's a, there's a lot of things that's going to be happening, I think, with tennis section uh, in the next few months and year. Um, You'll be excited, maybe. I, I hope that next year I, I'm going to the Monte Carlo Masters to watch the semifinals, which I'm excited about. Um, I'm also going back to the US Open for the entire first week because it was just it was just an amazing tournament, in my opinion. Having been to Wimbledon this year for the quarterfinals, and then you know comparing that to my experience at the US Open, it's just night and day. Like Wimbledon's an amazing tournament. The facilities are great, and you know it's it's got that sort of classiness about it. Uh, his, history behind it and tradition but when you compare it to the atmosphere that you get at the US Open I think it's completely opposite Wimbledon you know you dress up every day everyone wants to dress up everyone wants to look like nice picture opportunities etc um, on court it's sort of very hush hush and you know it's it's quite traditionalistic um, the grounds are quite small and tight especially the amount of people that they had this year it was it was incredible like how many people there were and how much you really couldn't find any space unless you were on a court to sit down anywhere. Um, when you compare that to the US Open, the grounds are huge. You know, Flushing Meadows is an amazing, an amazing place I found. And, uh, and, I, and I was able to, you know, just do whatever I wanted, really. You know, you go, you go watch the practice of the players. They might be practicing on actual courts. You show up early, you show up earlier than the matches start. The players are practicing on the courts out there. You go and watch them. You can ask them for autographs and stuff. I was able to, um, to meet the likes of Alcaraz, Murray, I watched Nadal practice on the first day, which was quite good. Then as, as the tournament went along, it just got way too packed at any Nadal practice. As, as obviously, he was only the only one of the big three there. Um, saw Alex de Menor practice, Berrettini, um, a lot of players practice, which was quite which was quite fun. Um, and then obviously the matches, it's great because you I, if you have the Arthur Ashe tickets, you obviously you get you get to watch the biggest matches on Arthur Ashe like I did. But then any other or you can go in and if you find a seat it's fine you sit down and you watch the match which i which i found quite quite nice um compared to wimbledon like 
if you have center court tickets, I don't think you will have access to court one per se. At the US Open, if you have our fresh tickets, you can just go in Louis Armstrong. And I think even if you don't have our fresh tickets, you can just go in Louis Armstrong in the general section, which is quite good. And there's, there's loads of seats available. So I'm excited for that. And I'm thinking maybe maybe to record some sort of content behind that and maybe do some like daily vlogs. You guys let me know. You guys let me know if you want the content to be more YouTube focused, you know, like daily vlogs, horizontal videos where, you know, I, I talk you through my day. I would show you everything, film some things, bits and bobs, or whether you want it to be more, you know, Instagram and TikTok content where it's short form, quick format, you know, just let me know. I, I think I could do either. I could probably use the YouTube videos and turn them into quick format for, for the TikTok and Instagram. But um, I just want to bring as much content to you guys over the next year, uh, really immerse myself and try and try and get to as many tournaments as I can. As I said, obviously going back to the US Open and going to the Monte Carlo Masters, hopefully go back to Wimbledon and maybe some other tournaments along the way. But um, I really just want to get out there because watching tennis live, on watching tennis on the TV and watching tennis in person is completely the opposite. I get so involved and I... <laughs> You might you might hear me scream from the sidelines when watching a match, but yeah, no, it's 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 quite exciting. Um, but no, I'm um I'm looking forward to the next few months. I'm looking forward to the ATP finals. I'm I, I miss I miss the ATP finals in London. I used to look out my window, I could see the O2 and just just say, oh, maybe I could go there. Um, but no, now it's in Turin, so I, I can't really travel all the way over there. Um, I, I'm I'm excited though. I, I'm hoping it's going to be exciting for you guys as well. Um, let me know if you have any sort of thoughts on what you think, you know, whatever you guys think is going to happen, any sort of debate that you like have got going on. But other than that, um, I think it's now time that we move on, move on to the questions that we got in from the Instagram. So from the Instagram, we've got a fair few questions to be honest, because uh, a lot of you, a lot of you guys were, were wondering where, where we'd been for so long, you know, we haven't been as active on the Instagram as we should have been. In recent times, as I said, scheduling, traveling, and you know, just personal stuff. Um, but people really, really want to to know a lot of stuff over the ATP finals recently. And the first question comes in from Simon, and it's does Rafa have a chance at the ATP finals? And personally, I think being a realist, you would say no, just because you know of the way that he played that match against Tommy Paul. But also, being an optimist, you might say, you know, it's Nadal. You can't you can't count him out. He's never won the ATP Finals, obviously. He, it, as long as he reaches the final, he has he, he's secured the world number one. As long as Tsitsipas doesn't go undefeated, so he might be really motivated here to get you know perhaps what might be his last year-end world number one title. Um, so I think there is, if I have to put it in percentage terms, twenty percent chance he wins. 80% chance he doesn't. Um, Theo comes in with the question of who's winning. As I said, I think it's going to be whoever wins uh, out of the... Um, I think it's going to be whoever wins outside of the red group is probably going to win the title. Um, but you never know. Felix in the green group, he's just been on fire. It's either going to be whoever wins out of that group or Felix, most realistically. Um Becky comes in with a question, red or green team? Well, I'm, I'm not too sure in what sense. It could be, you know, which team has your favorite player in it? Well, for me, it's the green team because it's got Rafa. But then you could say which team has the best quality of players at this moment in time in it. Then you have to say the red group. 
because, you know, Medvedev, Djokovic, Tsitsipas and Rublev are just, you know, they are, you know, better than, in better form right now than everyone else in the green group except for Felix. So yeah, it's 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 going to be it's going to be quite quite interesting. Um, Chris comes in with a question: Is Fritz going to be able to make it to the semi-finals? Well, as I said earlier in the podcast, I think Fritz is going to win against Root. He's going to lose against Felix, in my opinion. This, if this if this comes out correct, I I'll give you the lottery numbers next week. But um, I think he's going to lose to to Felix. He's going to beat Rude, and then if he wins Rafa, then yeah. If he wins against Rafa, sorry, then yeah. It's it's really a toss up between him and Rafa who's going to make it to the semis. But he does have a chance. He has a great chance to do it. He's beaten Rafa before. He was so close to beating him, like twice. Um, so I think there's no way you could say that he has no chance to make the semis. He definitely has a chance, and it'll be interesting to see if he does. You know, because he he's had a great year. Um, he's been the best American player on the tour by far, and he's continuously improving. To be honest, and it's great to see. Uh, and final question from Evie: Do you think the next gen finals should be played in normal match format, not the four game sets? Well, yeah, that's another thing. Sorry that we that we didn't really touch on. We can touch on it now, actually. Um, the next gen finals has been going on, and. I haven't been too invested personally myself in it. Um, I'll get to I'll get to Evie's question in a second, but yeah, I think when you look at the the lineup at the ATP finals, uh, the next gen finals this year, it's if you thought it was a, a normal match, first to six, different to two, tiebreak at six all, three sets. You know, you you could even go to five sets. You know, to make it interesting, make it like a grand slam sort of type type match. I think the results that we have seen this week would have been much more different. You see the likes of Mazzetti not making it out of the group stage. I think in a in a long match where he sort of, in a long set where he could sort of find his rhythm and stuff, he would probably have made the semis at least. Um, Jack Draper, you know, he he is a great player. He, huge serve, lefty, everything like that. I think he should have at least made the semis. Oh, sorry, at least made the final this year. He hasn't. Um, but you know, it's also a great format having those, those four game sets because it's when you're a next gen player, you're, you, you need to build that confidence somehow. You need to build that ability to sort of, you know, make a name for yourself. And if it is that sort of match format, the normal match format, you might not have enough experience yet, especially those guys that come from the challenger tour where they don't have that much experience on an indoor hard court to sort of or on a big stage like this to sort of make an impact in a normal match. But when it's four, first of four games, different to two, tiebreaker three all, you know, if you just give it a, your, give it your all from the start, like you might catch an early break and then you've won a set. And then you just do that a few more times and you've, you've won the match, um, which is, it, it's quite good. So personally, from a player perspective, it's nice for the lower ranked players that go into that tournament because they were able to sort of, have the opportunity to cause upsets and it's not always going to be oh the higher ranked player wins but then it's also not always fair for the higher ranked players who are like you know i've worked so hard all year playing and making sure that i'm prepared mentally for normal matches and then you're going to switch up the rules for me like this and then you know i'm not i'm not able to find my rhythm like i usually do in a normal set so yeah i think if it would have been normal matches and sets the results could have been different but 
you know, we we have a, we have a good final on our hands. We have uh, Jiri Lehechka against uh, Brandon Nakashima today in the final. I think personally, like I said, you, you you would go with Nakashima in a normal match to win that one. He's consistent off of both wings, big serve, big forehand. Lehechka, though, you know, he's one of those guys who just sticks in the match with you. And as soon as you drop your level, he'll he'll steal something out. I do think Nakashima edges it, though. So it'll be an interesting watch, I think. Exciting for everyone, realistically. It's um, it's a shame Hog Rune wasn't able to play. Well, shame and also, you know, he, when I say wasn't able to play, you know, he, he withdrew himself. But you would have to say, at this point in time in his career, he wouldn't want to consider himself as a next-gen anymore. I think he's a now-gen, just because he's he's a top-ten player, you know? He's a top-ten player, Usually when we saw the next-gen finals in the past, when we saw Tsitsipas, Alcaraz, um, you know, uh, Shung, I think it was uh, playing, Rublev, stuff like that, they were they were not even in the top 30, top 50 at the time. And then, then, you know, they won the tournament or something like that. And the next year, top 10. But Rune's reached the top 10 already. And uh, and yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's definitely here to stay. So it's going to be an exciting time to see how... The match obviously goes tonight at the at the next gen finals. How the ATP finals happen and uh, and yeah, but um, other than that, I think I think this is sort of a, a different format for me doing the podcast on my own. Uh, you guys, let me know what you think and how I did. To be honest, I'm I'm quite new to doing this on my own. I like I like the back and forth with Andrew or or with someone else. You know, a guest that we might have. Um, but yeah, um, I hope I answered all your questions the way I, you thoroughly enough for you guys. If you guys have any more questions not even just for the podcast or anything in general, DM me on the Instagram. I'm always here to answer. Um, and let me know what you guys think on my content ideas for you guys. I'm also working on some videos in the background just for the YouTube channel in general on some like controversial topics. Um, just trying to, you know, m- start a debate, make make sure there's some conversation because it's, it's always fun to see different sides of, of things. So the new video that may, may be coming out in the next few weeks for you guys on the YouTube and other than that, hopefully we'll have a podcast out for you guys in the coming weeks following the ATP finals, discussing the results and sort of anything that might have happened between now and then. Uh, but other than that, yeah, let, uh, let me know your thoughts in the comments below. Thanks, you, thank you guys for watching. If you guys want to find your free pre, uh, free tennis predictions, make sure you check out tennissection.com. Um, and if you guys want the premium tennis predictions, uh, go to tennissection.com forward slash premium, where every day you receive an email. Um, we might be looking at doing some some of the exhibition events in in the certain end of November, December, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, let me let me know in the comments below, guys, and uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. See you, uh, see you soon.